Did you know you can get email alerts about every new episode of this podcast? Sign up for free. Just click the link in the show description. We're in a cyber war. It's warfare. It's not even billions of dollars anymore. It's in the trillions. Financial losses regarding cybercrime will hit in the multi-trillion dollar range per year. This is Kotecki on Tech. I am James Kotecki here with Darren Guccione, the CEO and co-founder of Keeper Security. Darren, welcome to the show. Thank you. So Darren, I think of Keeper Security as a password manager, but oftentimes companies, tech companies, think of themselves maybe a little bit differently than the two-word description that, that other people in the marketplace would throw out. So how do you define yourselves? Password manager is one aspect of the platform, but it starts with what we call password management, and then we layer in additional services for protecting really any aspect of your digital life. So it could be encrypted messaging, it could be encrypting and transferring files. So you put a vault um, over your, you know, just the protection of your files. Um, it could be dark web monitoring. If you're an individual, if you're a family, if you're a small company or a larger enterprise, it can go from the simple all the way to the more complex in terms of ecosystems. So Internet security, obviously, is what you're providing. It, it just feels like it's getting worse out there every day. If you look at the headlines of different breaches that are happening all the time. I think I personally was involved in several of them just because they were so big, they practically affected pretty much everybody in the country um, just in the last couple of years. Are we getting safer on the internet or are we getting less safe? It's a, it's a pervasive question and it's, it's not a very straightforward answer. I would say it this way. I would say that, you know, people say, well, is privacy dying? I would say, no, privacy is completely dead. And the problem is, is that there is a big dilemma when it comes to passwords. You know, passwords and password security is always the number one attack vector, you know, for a cyber criminal. Because 80% of all cyber breaches are a result of weak password security. So it could be, you know, you trying to remember the same password on multiple websites or using a weak password or using passwords that are what we call dictionary. They exist on predefined dictionary lists that hackers have in their possession because they know that 12345 tends to be a very common password or admin admin for username and password. So they dictionary these things, and more than 60% of the time, when people reuse passwords and they're weak, they, you know, they proliferate across a multitude of accounts, and it just creates this whole ecosystem and an economy. It creates an economy for the bad actors to make billions of dollars a year. So it's not like it's it's becoming less safe. It already was. It's just that more people are finding out how bad this problem and how pervasive it really is. You talk about the death of privacy. One thing that I've heard about, you know, every occasionally it just pops up in the news, this concept of the death of the password, or are we yeah. finally going to do something and not have to remember all these passwords? Password managers seem like a good solution to that problem, at least in the near term. Are we fine? Or, but is that just a temporary solution to the longer term fix? And, and what is that fix? And is it actually coming this time? Because I've just kept hearing about it over the last decade or so. Yeah. 
you know, we hear about this all the time. And so the unfortunate thing is that passwords have continued to proliferate and become even more frequent because of the emergence of cloud and enterprise cloud. So the bottom line is we don't think that they're going away anytime soon. But the beautiful thing about, you know, multi-factor authentication and strengthening or hardening, you know, a set of login credentials is through biometrics. Biometrics are becoming more seamless. It's becoming more secure. And it's also, you know, through the use of like tokenization, where you see these little hardware tokens like a YubiKey. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever used any of those, but they're great and they utilize your thumb on a USB stick. What are some of the unintended consequences of biometrics becoming increasingly pervasive as part of this equation? I think about the movie Minority Report, uh, yeah. where I think that, I think in that movie they stole somebody's eyes because they were doing a retinal scan, and so they right. they like gouge someone's eyes out and hold it up to the scanner. Obviously, that's a pretty extreme example, but I just wonder if we start using our bodies in these different ways to validate our identities. Are there unintended consequences or edge cases, people who have disabilities perhaps, or people who don't have a thumb, or weird things that happen when you use your voice to authenticate that somebody can mimic that in some weird way? Are there weird things like that that you see? Yeah, I think, you know, the the problem with biometrics is when they're used as the single sole factor for authenticating, it's very dangerous right? Because we've seen fingerprints get hived off of devices with Elmer's glue. Um, If you have, like, you know, you mentioned the minority report, that's an extreme example. But the problem with biometrics is that they're subject to error. So for example, if you use your retina and you have keratoconus or you have cataracts, you're going to have a problem. It's not going to work, right? So you may have been authenticating just fine for five years with it. All of a sudden you have a physical impairment you know, like an iritis in your eye, it's done. There was a huge breach at the federal government with the Office of Personnel Management, the OPM breach. I don't know if you remember that one, but it was like over 20 million sets of credentials got stolen. Well, you know, fingerprint data was part of it. So the problem with biometrics is if I steal your biometric, you can't change it. Right. If I steal your fingerprint and I have that and I can replicate that into a physical form, you're in trouble. You can't change your fingerprint. But if I steal your password, no big deal. You can rotate your password. So that's the danger of using biometrics as a single factor. At the end of the day, it's really not a security method. It's more of a convenience method. Artificial intelligence is changing every business. I'm sure it is a hugely impactful part of what you're working on now and in the future. And it just kind of intuitively makes sense, right? Like at a certain point, this stuff just becomes way too complicated for it to be trusted to people. Um, so tell me about how AI plays into this now and in the coming years. If you're using a password manager, like best practices, that system that you're using should know what type of web page you're on, what fields you have. It should know and be able to read the page right on a zero knowledge basis. That's a whole separate you know, topic, but on a zero knowledge basis, no, without someone being able to see what you're doing or track keystrokes or anything like that, know what you're doing. So heuristics, machine intelligence, AI is going to become much more important, especially with 
you know, going back to your Minority Report example, there were a lot of gesture-based controls on the UI. I love that movie, by the way, the precogs and everything. It's awesome. But no, I just, that is really finding its way more into user interface design because the firmware of these, of these, these phones and these devices is allowing us as developers to take more advantage of, you know, machine intelligent user interface and, and backend systems. Is there something fundamental here in the incentive structure of who's doing what that's going to change? Or is this security arms race between good guys and bad guys just going to keep going on forever? You do some really amazing, advanced, incredible stuff with AI and machine learning, and then the bad guys figure out how to break that, and so you have to do the next thing. We're in a cyber war. It's warfare. And it's it's not even billions of dollars anymore. It's in the trillions. I don't know if you've looked at the data lately, but, you know, in the next few years, you know, financial losses regarding cybercrime will hit the in the tr- multi-trillion dollar range per year. It'll hit like five trillion in the next three years. It's enormous. So it's its own economy. It's absolutely going to continue to grow. And you're going to see, a, you know, the warfare that we see, you know, when we're when we're doing analysis, there's a ton of, I don't know if you've studied like a lot of DDoS attacks, so distributed denial of service attacks like botnets. This is botnets. where a bunch of people or a bunch of bots are kind of going to the same site, for example, at the same time and kind of overwhelming it. Yeah, exactly. So this is what, you know, this is interesting because... Botnets were initially created not to take down, you know, private sector corporate sites. They were designed by cyber criminals to take other cyber criminal sites down on the dark web. So if I'm trying to sell, you know, my stolen credentials and digital assets to make a bunch of money and I'm competing with you, I want to take your website down so you can't sell against me. Right. So then the light bulb goes off and they're like, wow, we could actually place malware on millions and billions of IOT devices. We take a, a, you know, a, a central control and command server and, and tell all those bots to direct a bunch of web traffic to a corporate site and take down the corporate site. Except this time we've been hired by a third party and we're being paid millions of dollars to do that. So that's just, we're going to start seeing a lot more of that. Do you see it increasingly being state-sponsored forms of cybercrime or cyberterrorism? Because you mentioned being paid millions of dollars. And certainly, if you need to have a lot of money to fund these things, one place to do that would be the uh, the bad actors at the uh, nation-state level. 100% yes. This is big time, big time. I mean, these are these are state-sponsored and their state, quote-unquote, employed. You know, tens of thousands of, you know, IT experts. You call them hackers. We don't like that name, but I'll call them, you know, bad actors or cyber criminals that are, you know, let's say they're working in China, for instance. You know, China built a tremendous amount of its infrastructure at a greater pace, a greater velocity, by virtue of stealing trade secrets from U.S. companies. It's well known. It's not just U.S. companies, but companies in EMEA as well. It's very well known. If I want to learn how to build a road or a bridge or a factory, 
right, from ground zero versus stealing plans for it. It's a lot easier for me to just steal the plans, have the blueprints in hand to build what we need to build. It saves us, you know, decades in a lot of in a lot of cases. So using the metaphor of cyber war, that would make you kind of like a general because you're the CEO of Keeper Security. What's that position like for you personally? Do you, do you get more people trying to attack you personally because you're the figurehead of this company and it would be a huge win or a trophy for people to take you out? I imagine that it's uh, kind of scary sometimes. You know, I don't I don't even look at it that way. I don't, you know, I'm not really intimidated at all. I'm I'm excited. Um Here's the problem. The, you know, we're a hardened company. Almost half our business, in terms of the team, half our company are cybersecurity experts and, and technology software developers that focus principally on cybersecurity. Half our company are hardcore. We are not worried so much about us being the primary target. When you look at the landscape, the ones that are under attack the most are the small to medium-sized businesses. There are 5 million SMBs in the U.S. There's 22 million SMBs in EMEA. And those companies lack cybersecurity awareness. They don't have formal IT budgets. They don't have formal IT staff. And and hackers know that. It's like low-hanging fruit, low friction, easy kill. That's who they're going after because it's it's a lot less brain damage for them and they're just they're harvesting droves and droves of data. So that's the that's really the market that we're primarily concerned about right now. SMB right now is under extreme attack. I'm not scared. I'm I'm hypersensitive for their for their digital safety. You mentioned that you are excited, but a lot of what we talked about today, I think, is scary to a lot of people. So as we close out here, is there a positive note you can end on for us? Is there something that we should all be excited about for the next five years looking ahead at your space? I'm really excited that so many more companies, you know, in the industry, um, cyber being taken as a whole, are working harder to educate the public and private sector on how this actually works and what companies need to do to protect themselves as well as consumers as well. Darren Guccione, the CEO and co-founder of Keeper Security. Thanks for coming on Kotechi on Tech. All right. Well, thank you very much.